Hey, we're in Galatians chapter 6 today. Galatians chapter 6. I was going to do an, an, an addition to my Galatians chapter 5 passage, except uh, I was talking to Kevin about it. We we went out to, to uh, breakfast a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, talked about it. And it seemed like uh, Galatians chapter 5 kind of touched on some, some uh, touched on some uh, points that uh, were of much interest to a few of you and and uh, and because of that, uh, I thought well here 's what we 're going to do i 'm going to go back and and as we looked at Galatians chapter five and especially as we were looking at the fruit of the spirit, you remember we talked about the fruit of the spirit is love and and then it, and then it 's followed. After love, it's it's followed by you know, you know, fruit of the spirit is love. And what is love encompass? It encompasses joy and peace and long suffering and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self control. And against all of those things, it, it, there's just no law. And so as we looked at it, and we we talked about, you know, the biggest thing, uh, the biggest attribute of the fruit of the spirit, it all centers around the foundation of love. And, and all of those other characteristics, all of those other attributes are all encompassed under love. They're really encompassed under love. And so if that's the case, if that's the case, when we looked at that passage, I know I said some things that they sound obvious. They sound very obvious. And, and they sound, uh, and, and I believe I even said it. It's easy to say what I said. However, and it's easy to do or easy to say what Paul would say. It's easy to to say what Jesus said. It's harder to walk out. And that is this. You remember Paul says, "I earlier in this book, right? I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who now lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the faith, in the Son, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And Jesus, you remember, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, right? And then take up his cross and follow me. And so Jesus says, if you want to follow me, it begins with denying yourself, right? But not only does it it encompass just denying yourself, Jesus took it even a step further. It's a death to self. Oh, and Jesus isn't advocating suicide. He's advocating you dying to the things in your life in order to live for him. Dying to the things that you think are the most important things in your life. And if the things that are most important in your life are not also the things that are most important to Jesus, well, then something is wrong. We've got a problem with a relationship with the Lord. And so the thing is, is that if things are really, really important to me, but they're not important to the Lord, well, then someone's going to have to move. And I'm going to say it's pretty safe to say Jesus isn't going to be the one that moves. It's going to have to be us, right? 
We're going to have to fall in line. We're going to have to come in concert with Christ. You know, one of the things that, that uh, uh, I love is harmony. I loved the harmony today. I, 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 I love, there's just sometimes you just hit a sweet spot. And, and like today, when we were practicing, I think it sounded better than when we sang here now, but when we were practicing, there was one thing where we were singing a song. I don't even remember what song we were singing. We were trying to find the harmony, but we found it. And it's like it, it hit. And it's like we were not playing any instruments. We were just singing the harmony to try to find the harmony. And it's like it hit the sweet spot. And and to me, I don't know what it does to anybody else, but for me, it just goes, whew, it just it feels awesome. It just is just, there's just something so magical about that moment, you know, when everything just seems to hit perfect. You know, that that's when harmonies come together. Um, there's a, there's a, a, an acapella band out there, an acapella group out there that I, I, I really like. I think that they sound just absolutely phenomenal. Not here to plug them, but... The name is Home Free. But they're, they're, a, it's a, these guys are awesome. These guys are just awesome. And it's just their voices. And they all work in concert with one another. And, and the voices sound absolutely perfect together. You understand? When their voices are, are together, you sit there and you just go, that is no way that there's no instruments being played right here. You got five guys, you got one guy that, I don't know, incredibly talented that has this beatbox. You know, and he's like, he's like doing the drums, you know, and he's making noise that you just go, how does a mouth do that? But he, he maintains the percussions and the cymbals and all of the little things. And then you got this other guy, Tim Faust. He's got this voice that goes way down. He can go up high, but he goes way down. And, and, and it's incredible to hear that voice go way down, which just rocks me to my core, you know, just, whoa, I love hearing that deep, deep voice. But, the other guys, they got a high voice. You got your tenors. You got your, I don't know what all the parts are or what have you, but it's so perfect. And you just go, that is just absolutely unbelievable that there's not an instrument being played other than the vocal cords of you guys. And it's phenomenal how these guys blend. The idea here, and the reason I'm even making that is that, that making that point is our lives need to be in perfect concert with Christ. If they're not in perfect concert with Christ, it's not going to sound good. It's not going to look good. It's not going to present itself well. You have heard way too many times in here when I hit the wrong chord in a song. It just blows everything. You're just there worshiping and and I see it. I watch you. It happens to me too. Because I if I hit the wrong note, it shocks me. I mean, it shouldn't. It never should shock me that I hit the wrong note because it that just happens. That's just me. But when I hit the wrong note and that is a really, really, really wrong note, here's what happens. You guys are like, and you like look at me. I mean, ah, oh, yep, yep. It, it happens to Bert too when he doesn't do the words right. You guys are like, Come on, man! You know, you're looking over at Bert, like, come on! And he's going, it was right when we began, you know? And, but, but here's the thing. When something's not in concert, it doesn't work, right? It just blows everything. It takes things out of sync. And when, when our lives are out of sync with Christ, 
We got problems. That's where the problems build up in our life. And so what, what was happening is that when we were looking at this, uh, last week we were, or the last time we were together, Kevin, Kevin, uh, taught, I haven't had the opportunity to listen to your message, Kevin, I'm sorry. It's at what, whatever. <laughs> Psalm 46. <laughs> it'll be online this week. Really, it'll be online on Wednesday because hopefully I'll be happy and I'll throw that sucker on real quick, you know. And, but here's the thing. Last time we were together, one of the things I was saying is that, listen, it's not about you anymore. It's not about me. I mean, really, if we take serious the words of Paul, if we take serious the words of Jesus, it's not about you anymore. It's not about me anymore. I have been bought with a price. It's no longer I who live, but it's now Christ who's living in me. And now the whole purpose of my life now is not for my own pleasure, but it's for that my life would be presented and lived in such a way in order to bring glory and honor and praise to the one who saved me. And when that happens, you know it in your life. Every one of us know it. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know this, that when you're doing what you know that the Lord really wants you to do, when, when you're, maybe you've, you've, maybe you've witnessed to somebody. Maybe, maybe you've ministered to somebody. Maybe there was a need in somebody's life and you were able to meet it. Maybe you did it anonymously. And, and, and something, you did something and you did it for the Lord and you didn't do it for you. You did it for the Lord. You truly felt the impression upon your heart to do what God had called you to do and you carried it out. Wasn't it awesome? Do you understand? You felt that sweet spot, didn't you? You felt that sweet spot because you were in concert perfectly with the Lord. You were doing what Christ had called you to do. You were doing what God, what pleased God. You were doing, and when you did it, and you were you were living for the Lord and you did it, you're going, I just wish that this feeling wouldn't go away. I wish that I could live in this place always. Unfortunately, we live in the flesh. And the flesh is an ugly, ugly thing, isn't it? My flesh creeps back up every day. I put to death. That's the bad thing about our flesh, isn't it? Is that we put to death our flesh. And then that sucker rises back up the next day. You know, people who say that things, you know, that, that there's no, you know, that Jesus is the only one who resurrected from the dead. I would say, and I say this tongue in cheek, okay? I would say that's not true because I... Every single day I rise back up from the dead. I kill the stuff off in my life. Lord, I don't want to be that anymore. I don't want to live for that anymore. I put to death those deeds. I put to death those things in my life only to find, and sometimes it doesn't even take a day. It Sometimes it takes five minutes for me. And that old man is raised back up and you go, what are you doing here? You ever have a conversation with yourself like that? No? Hang around me for a while. What are you doing here again? Come on. I put you down, man. I buried you. You were in the ground. How did you get back up? The old dead man, the old flesh, the old life raises back to life. And you, you begin to understand the, the, the heart and the frustration behind Paul. 
Romans 7, we know it. I have time to go too much into it other than, you know, Paul just goes, oh, the things that I will to do, those are the things that I don't do. The things that I will not to do, those are the very things I practice. Oh, wretched man that I am. Listen to what he says. Who will deliver me from this body of death? It's like Paul's going, I put to death this guy and every single day he wakes back up and straps himself to me again. You ever feel that way? You think you've got something under control and then it rears its ugly head again and boom, you're back into something that you had put to death before. Unfortunately, the thing is, is that right now, as Paul talks about it in 1 Corinthians chapter, I think it's... Uh, 11, 12. He says, now we see in a mirror dimly. But then one day face to face. Right now we see, we see as if uh, you've got a muddied mirror, if you will. You get the picture of, of taking some mud in the ground, you know, just sloppy mud and taking it and wiping a mirror with it. And then look at your reflection in there. It's like, I can see me a little bit, kinda. I can see that, see that something's there. I can see, and that's the idea. I can see dimly. Right now, what we can see is something dimly of what eventually we will experience in heaven. That's what I was talking about when we, when we prayed to, to finish the, the uh, worship set, and that was w- one day we're going to be in heaven, and the pain, the sorrow, and the loneliness, and and the struggle, and the the struggle, guys, it's going to be done. There's going to be true rest. There's going to be true peace. There's going to be true comfort in heaven, and we have no one to thank but Jesus Christ. That's it. We have no one else to thank. We didn't do it. It's through Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's that. And so in heaven, what we long for, we're seeing it dimly as if through a, a, a dim mirror, a muddied mirror. But then one day, face to face, we're going to realize it in reality and it's going to be awesome. And no more are we going to struggle with the things that we struggle with today. That old dead man, it's going to be dead. Flesh and blood are not going to inherit the kingdom of God. And so that old dead man, it's not going to rise up ever again in heaven one day. But until that day comes, we're going to struggle with things. We're going to struggle with the flesh. And so what are we talking about? Here's what I'm saying. The thing that I think that we, we struggled with is that, and, and, and it was, it was with a few of you guys, was with a few of you guys. And I won't say you struggled with it, but you, you, you ask questions kind of around. And I'm going to kind of take what I heard from, from, what we talked a little bit about. Some of you guys talked to me after the service. Some of you guys have talked to me during the week, but here's the thing. The the point is, I'm going to kind of try to encapsulate what, what I see as the biggest issue in all of this. And that is, Pastor Don, you say to deny and die so you can live for Christ. What does that look like? What does it look like? What does that look like? What does it mean that if I'm going to live for Christ and I'm going to deny myself, I'm going to live for Christ, what does that look like? That's what Kevin and I were talking about at breakfast. I'm thinking, maybe I should just do a message just on that. Well, then I started reading on and I continued on through you know, Galatians chapter 6 and, and I thought, 
you know, this actually is going gonna, is gonna to fit real well. I'm only going to look at the first 10 verses here. Let me read it. Why don't we stand up? We'll stand up and you guys get a little blood going in your, in your legs. We're in Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to back up in verse 22 of chapter 5 just to, to encapsulate kind of what, what, I'm, what I'm talking about and kind of bring things into context. Even though there's a little bit of a different thought that's going to come in here as chapter 6 opens, but, but in light of what we talked about last time, verse 22 of chapter 5, Paul writing, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ's, listen to this, guys, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you hear that? Verse 24. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. It's no longer about you. It's no longer about me. It's about Christ in Christ living in us now. It's to live for him is the only aspiration in our life that should be there. It's the only goal is to live for him. If we live in the spirit, well then the obvious answer is the, the, the obvious finish of this statement, if we live in the Spirit, let us then walk in the Spirit, right? That that just makes sense. If I'm going to say I'm going to live in the Spirit, well, then my life should reflect what that looks like, right? If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And so, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. Yep, that's where that verse is. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are in the household of the faith. Father, as we look at this passage, Lord, very quickly, Lord, may you sink the truths that come from your throne into our hearts, into our lives. May you, Lord, create fashion, strengthen the spiritual warehouse in our minds, the frame and the foundation that our lives are set upon. May you strengthen them through your word. Anything that is not of you, Lord, would you root it from us? Maybe selfishness. Maybe self-love looking at myself because I just want my own pleasures to be met 
And, and, and Lord, I know that we would never want to admit that or verbalize it to anyone because we see how horrible it sounds. But Lord, sometimes our lives reflect far more than what our words will say. And so, Lord, may we live for you. May we find the pleasure in life to do your will, to, your, to do your goodwill for your good pleasure. Lord, help us to understand your passage today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> and so what we see here is that as I, as I shared, to live for Christ is the goal of every Christian. It's, it's what our life is all about. It is who we've been called to be. It is who we are called, what we are called to do. It's to live for the Lord. There's a, one little statement here. He says in verse four, let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and, and not in another. And I, I like that statement because here's the thing. Paul's not talking about wanting to do something selfishly. That's not, that's not even, t- everything in chapter six that we have just read is so anti-selfish. He's talking about bearing other people's burdens. He's talking about doing things for other people. He's, a, he's talking about thinking of others more highly than yourself. That's what he's talking about. And, but then he comes in and he says, let one examine, let each one examine his own work. And then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone. And, and, and not in another. The, the point that, that, and there's a, a couple of points that I can make in that, but there's one thing that I want to, to point out, and it goes back to what I originally began to talk about. It's like Paul is saying, when I'm doing these things for the Lord, when you're doing these things for the Lord, when I'm examining my life, when I'm considering my life, that word examine means honest assessment. When I give an honest assessment of my life, and I live for Christ, I'll have rejoicing in myself. What rejoicing is, is he talking about? I believe that what Paul's talking about is that you, you experience the sweet spot when you're living in concert with the Lord. You experience that sweet spot. You experience when, when everything just hits perfectly. My mom, before she passed away, uh, there's a, a, a tape I have over in, in uh, this the children's ministry where a lot of my books are. And, and uh, I've got a book or a, uh, a videotape over there that was my mom's, one of my mom's favorite videotapes that, that she had. It was Mark Lowry on Broadway. Any guys ever hear about Mark, Mark Lowry? He's kind of a comedian, singer, guy with the Gaithers. Anybody guys like Gaithers music? A couple? Who, who like Gaithers? All the old people, all us old people, all of us old people like Gaithers. It's just, it's just kids, you don't know what you're missing. Here's the thing. <laughs> it's a musical group, people where they sing and they all have different parts. Well, there's a song in there called Let Freedom Ring. And that song, I was sitting next to my mom. And we were watching it, and she was in her wheelchair, and we kind of were up fairly close to the TV. And we're sitting there, and we're watching it. And, and there's a part of this song 
that as they as they get to this crescendo, uh, they they hit. There's a guy in their in their their group called uh, David Phelps, and David Phelps he's got this incredible voice that can get in octaves that I I could only dream of ever getting into, and I do dream about it. Can't get it, but I'd love to. I'd love it. You know, I I do it in my dreams. But here's the thing. He hits these things, and he hit this note in that song. And my mom had Parkinson's. And so uh, my mom would, would writhe. She'd, she'd kind of writhe as she was sitting in her wheelchair. She's sitting. And then when things got passionate or, or when, things got, when things got stressful to her, she'd go even more, and she'd go even more. And when that song hit... At that crescendo point, she was not only writhing, she was writhing so quick and tears were shooting out of her eyes because they hit, they hit things so perfect. And it's like every hair on my body stood up. I started crying looking at my mom. But, but seeing that and, and hearing that, it was so perfect. It, they, you, you, it, there was not another note that they could have hit that would have sounded better than that. It was absolutely perfect, and it was in concert. Now, what if he would have hit the wrong note there? You're building up, building up, and then he hits, ah, and, and, and he goes, ah, oh, you just totally blew that. And then he'd be a meme or something. I don't know. We'd be, we'd be, you know, he'd be on video going, listen to this, listen to this, and now laugh at this guy, you know, or whatever. But it was so perfect. But here's the thing. When we are in concert with the Lord, we are rejoicing in ourselves. Why? Because your life, your, your body, your mind, your heart, your actions, everything that you are, everything that makes you you, For that moment, you've, you're in concert with the Lord. And there is a rejoicing that is deep in your life that you just go, I never want to lose this. We do. We lose it quickly. One day, we're never going to lose that. You have rejoicing in yourself because you realize that you're being, you're, your life is being expended for what it was created to do. And when you do it, you just feel like your body, your mind, your heart, your all is doing exactly what the Lord has for you. What does it look like to deny and die and to live for the Lord? And, and, and the, the point is, this is not a, a, a time or a message to beat down on any of us because I could do that. I could really beat down on me really hard I could beat down on you really hard that's not what this is about but the question has to be asked what does that look like what does it look like I've 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 dealt uh, with people no I'll, I'll even go even more personally I've dealt with myself as a pastor that when things aren't going right in my life, 
I wonder why the Lord doesn't like me. You ever struggle with that? Things aren't going, things aren't going right. And, and you go, Lord, I know you love me, but what gives? Well, I don't understand. I'm doing all of this stuff. I'm living for, I'm doing all this stuff. Why, why, why is this not happening in my life? And, and so sometimes we can, we can allow that to happen in our life. Is it right? No, it's not. Do I feel bad when I do that? I feel convicted. I feel convicted. There was a time in my life many, many years ago that before I started, you know, even went to Bible college and the Lord had kind of grabbed the hold of my life and I was living for Jesus and I was, I was, I was walking with him and I was heading towards, towards college. I think I'd already been accepted, but I was still flying. There was one instance where I was, where I was flying. And, and as I was flying, I was actually flying back from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, um, for my boss, dropped them off, and I was doing a deadhead my, myself. And I'm flying, I'm coming toward Salt Lake City area, and I'm flying through, and it was just this beautiful, absolutely gorgeous, white, puffy, clouded day. And these big clouds were just starting to form, and I knew I, I was, should have probably been on an IFR flight plan. Shouldn't have been probably as close to the clouds as I was. But um, I was up there and it didn't sound like anybody else was out there. And, and I don't would do, I would not do this with people on board. But for me, it was just one of those exciting moments. And that is these clouds were building up. And I mean, these things were going 20, 30, 40,000 feet in the air. And these clouds were under me. So I saw that there was clouds under me. But it was so clear in front of me, and I could see that there was this 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 clear spot out there, and it just like this these two big cumulus clouds were coming together, and they were big and ominous, but there was this valley that went for probably twenty thirty miles that I could see, and these 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 clouds were coming together as i 'm flying. And I'm cruising along and I see it's so bright down there and it's dark here and dark here and the, the clouds were under me and they were starting to rise up. They were, and so everything was closing in and that, and as it was, it might even have been 40, 50 miles in front of me. This thing was closing down and I'm going, can I make it? Can I make it? And I'm, I'm cruising along in this thing. I'm by myself. I'm going, oh, okay. Now when you're in the air, I'm doing like 225 miles an hour cruising along, you know, I'm cruising along and I'm, and all of a sudden the clouds are coming in and I see it and it's just miles in front of me, just a few more miles, just a few more miles. And this, and things started speeding up. I mean, if there was, I'm weird this way, but I, I had like this background music in my head. It just happened in my brain. There was no music. And I'm, I'm like, can I make it? Can I make it? Can I make it? And I'm coming in and, and, and it's just coming up. It's just coming up and it's so bright out there and dark, big, huge. And I mean, this cloud's coming up. I'm going, can I make it? Can I make it? Can I make it? My, both of my wingtips were both in the clouds as I broke out, as I broke out. And I just, boom, and I broke out. And it's like, Again, the music in my head. And it's like a full-on orchestra. You know, and, and there was this huge, huge, like 
80, 100 mile bowl of this, this bowl of white puffy clouds. It was just, just a bowl of, of cotton. And it was perfectly beautiful clear above it, but just this huge, huge round disc under, it, not a, like a, like a spaceship or anything, but it was just clouds. And it was just this huge, and I, I, boom, and I hit it, and it took my breath away. Oh, oh my. This is absolutely beautiful. It is absolutely breathtaking. I am seeing something that not another person is seeing. I just experienced something that nobody is ever going to experience the same exact way that I just experienced that. And and as I was sitting in there, I remember as I was flying, I'm just going, Lord, you've blessed me so much. If nothing else happens in my life, that was before I met my beautiful wife. If nothing else happens in my life, it's enough. You've taken me to distant lands. You've taken me all over. You've done so much in my life. You've let me experience so much. You've been so good to me. If nothing else happens in my life, it's enough. You've, you've, you've done enough for me. I am blessed. I don't need another, another thing in my life. You've done it all. A few weeks later, I took it back because I wanted a wife. A few weeks later, I wanted it back because I wanted a different job or I wanted to go to Bible college. If I could just get into Bible college, if I could just, you know, and now all of a sudden I start taking the things back that I just forfeited and and, and surrendered to the Lord. One day we're not going to have to do that, guys. The point is, listen, when we live for the Lord, we'll feel this, we'll experience this peace when we are in concert with him. He'll sometimes bless us by showing us something like he showed me that day. He'll sometimes reveal to us that, you know, I've done so much in your life. And and it becomes so real and we understand it. And the reality of what God has done in our life is almost overwhelming at times. You go, Lord, you've done, you've done so much in my life. You've done enough. You don't have to do anything more. And I would die a happy man. Now, if that happened, I wouldn't have had my son. I wouldn't have had my wife. I wouldn't have seen any of you guys. I wouldn't have met any of you. My life would not have been complete as far as the Lord is concerned. The Lord had far more in my life that he wanted to do. But when, but when we look at our life and we begin to place conditions upon the Lord, when we put conditions, and I do it, and a lot of you do it. Hopefully you're not one of us. But if you are, know that you're a part of the club. And that is that we will hold on to things too tightly. And, and, and when we hold on to things too tightly and things that, that maybe we place such a value and a high, you know, a value upon something, and, and, and now all of a sudden our, our walk with the Lord is not dependent upon relationship. It's now based upon these things that if the Lord does these things for me, then these, then our relationship is tight. 
I'm kind of walking around this. And, and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I'm telling you that I struggle the same things with you. So if what I say, you identify, know this, I'm talking to myself, man. But when things aren't going the way that I think they should go, I begin to question the Lord's love for me. And it can be in anything. I will say that I did have victory this last week. I, I really, really, really could have been really bummed after that interview. I, did, I, I was very quickly. But, but when I walked out of that interview, actually, I was in the hallway before I went in, before they told me whether or not they were going to hire me or not. I was in a hallway. They said, hey, can you stand out in the hallway? We want to discuss it and we'll bring you back in. I said in the hallway and I said, Lord, no matter the answer, I'm serving you. No matter the answer, I'm yours. I'm not going to let anything, I'm not going to let a decision here determine whether or not I'm going to be joyous in you or if I'm going to be bummed. Because Lord, I know you love me and I know that you have a plan. And this might not be it. Or it might be, I don't know. Now, Lord, if you say yes, I'm going to be jumping up and kicking, you know? But if you say no, I might not be jumping up and kicking, but one thing I'm not going to do is I'm not going to blame you. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to question your love for me in this. I'm going to trust that you have, a, you have another plan. You have a better plan. I find in my life that if my finances aren't sufficient enough for a month, that it's easy for me to look at the Lord and go, Lord, why? I, I, why, why, why are you doing this to me? Why? It seems that when I'm struggling in finances, that's when my car breaks down or that's when something at the house breaks down. That's when, you know, a water heater breaks at the house and I've got to go get a water heater. You know, you got to get a water heater. I mean, what are my wife and son and, and in-laws going to have to, you know, we're, we're, we're going to take cold showers. No, no, you, you got to just do it. Now we, we haven't had that in the house that we're in, but here's the thing. When, when, when I place conditions upon how my life is going here and, and, and attach it to God's care for me or his love for me, I, I'm skewed. And that's me. I do that. And, and I know some of you do that. And, and my, 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 my question is, or, or my point to you and point to me is, we got to get away from that gang. Oftentimes I found that my, my problems financially are because maybe I, I spent money on other things that I probably shouldn't have spent it on and now it's coming back to haunt me. You know, you know Jesus, or Paul's talking about, he goes, listen, we're going to reap what we sow. We're going to reap what we sow. If, if I'm going to, to, to spend money on all this stuff and when I have money and everything and I feel blessed because I got all this stuff and then somewhere down the road, all of a sudden something breaks, something is necessary, maybe a mortgage is due or something is going on. All of a sudden I look at this and go, 
Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. God, how come you don't like me? God, do you not see how, how, how I'm struggling here? And, and in, in my life, I know that I sometimes, listen, I used to do this a whole lot more. I, I used to blame the Lord a lot. The, the Lord kind of has taken me to the woodshed a couple of times on that. Wait, not a couple of times. Let me just say a bunch of times. And, and, and I, I don't, that's not an area that I necessarily go down anymore with the Lord as much as I used to. And it's for this reason. The Lord just reveals to me, this isn't my fault. I gave you this. You had this. You spent it differently. Now this has come due and you're not prepared for it. This is not an emergency on my part. You created the emergency. Now, I know that, that I can now allow that to be such a huge burden upon my heart. And I know that I can sit here and I can become, you know, self flag You've got to be careful with that word, you know. Yeah. Um, self-flagulate, not flatulation, flagulation, right? Flagulation, not self-flagulation. You know, beating myself. Yeah, beating myself. I, I can beat myself over things like that, but here's the thing. What good is that going to do? I can, I can confess it. I can move on with it and say, Lord, you know, I didn't do my best there. And, and so, Lord, this isn't your fault. This is, this is me. I did this. So here's the thing. Next time, Lord, help me not to go down that road. Help me to plan for the other. Help me to plan for that rainy day. Help me to, help me to, to set, to set, you know, a, a time up or help me to set a place up or help me to set up a cush a, a fund or, or, or whatever kind of a fund, you know, a, a, an emergency fund. Those of you guys who've ever gone through like the Dave Ramsey thing, you know, a, a, you know, save up a thousand dollars and put it in the bank and leave it alone. For when the emergency comes, it's truly an emergency fund so that you can use that. And when, here's the thing, when you have that and all of a sudden something happens, and you have the money in the emergency fund, here's what happens. You don't go, God, what? What's that all about? No, you go, wow, thank you, Lord. Thank you that gave me the wisdom to do that because, Lord, you saw in your sovereignty, you saw that in your omniscience that that this was going to happen down the road. God, you gave me the ability to pay for this in this time. And, And, Lord, I thank you for that. It's a whole different aspect of, of living our life with the Lord. What, what I have to come to a place in my life is recognize that, listen, my life isn't about me anymore. And oftentimes my problems that I get into are oftentimes because I spend things on my own pleasure. I do things for my own pleasure and then it comes back to, to hurt me somewhere down the road. And instead of looking at myself and saying, man, Don, you did this to yourself. I look at the Lord and I question the Lord. Not only do I question the Lord, but but now struggles happen at my home and, and all of a sudden conflict starts happening with my wife or conflict starts happening with my son because I'm not happy, you're not happy, they're not happy because things are 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 stressful. And so when things begin to become stressful, no longer am I actually walking out after the Lord, seeking their goodness, seeking their good pleasure, seeking God's good pleasure and seeking the, the benefit and the welfare of others. 
such as my wife or my son or my in-laws. Here's the thing. That's not there. I'm thinking more about myself and I'm angry. And I blame the Lord for it and I blame them for it and I blame everybody else for it when in all actuality, sometimes it's just me. I did it. I got to stop. We've got to stop blaming God. We've got to stop looking at God and thinking, God, you don't love me. Yes, God loves you. God loves me. The, the point is, it's making wise choices. Beforehand, it's, it's recognizing that my life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. So now my life is to be lived for him. Now, that doesn't mean that he's never going to give you an opportunity to go and, and enjoy life and enjoy life with friends and what have you. Jesus says, I want my joy to be in you and for your joy to be full. That doesn't sound like a dull life. Not from the one who created your body, created your psyche, created your, you know, your ability to experience pleasure. When he says, I want your joy to be full. If, if that's what he wants, he's going to accomplish it, but he's going to have to accomplish it his way. And so very quickly, I, I'm going to go very quickly. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, this is talking about sin, right? This is talking, the, the word overtaken there, it's, it's actually a word that means surprise avalanche. Has that ever happened to you? Where something has just, a surprise avalanche has happened to your life and you've been overtaken in a trespass. Maybe it's, maybe it's a sin, maybe it's just a burden. Maybe it's something that is so heavy upon you. And it's just happened suddenly. Paul says, here's the thing. If a man or a woman is overtaken like an avalanche, a surprise, in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. That word restore, if you're a circler in your Bible, you can circle that and you can draw a line up and you can write in here. This word literally means it's, it's a word that a doctor would use to reset a bone. You've got a fracture. So reset the bone to where it grows back healthy and strong. You've got a fracture. It's broken. Reset it and splint it to where when it grows back, it will actually be stronger. You've heard the the point that if you break a bone in this place and it's reset and it grows back together, it's actually stronger there than than anywhere around it. And if so, if your arm gets broken again, it's going to get broken elsewhere because that part's going to be stronger. And the idea here is that if you are, are and I, we see a brother or a sister that's struggling in, a, in, a, in, a, in an issue, come to them and, and you who are spiritual, restore, reset the fracture so that they'll be strong. That doesn't mean that we just come alongside and just throw things after sin. To throw things after, after uh, uh, irresponsibility. The idea here is spiritual brothers, spiritual sisters come along and say, hey, we'll help, we'll come alongside, we'll we'll help to support. But here's some choices that have been made that have taken you maybe down this road. <clears throat> and so here's what, here's what we can do. We're here with you. We're going to be praying with you. We'll pray for you. We'll We'll help you. It could be through a financial help. It can be through a service help. It can be through a, a, a you know, whatever kind of help is there to come alongside and ministers to somebody. But the idea is, is to come along, come alongside and not just continue to allow somebody to walk down a road of trespass. 
you if you've if you've been a surprise avalanche in a trespass, you who are spiritual, reset the fracture in a spirit of gentleness, not in a spirit of condemnation, you notice. He says, I want you to do it in a spirit of gentleness. And here's how I want you to look at it, because this Paul understands the human psyche. Here's the idea here. And, and that is, we, we always look at other people's sins as being really ugly, don't we? But when, when, when we sin, we, we think, hey man, I just blew it. Oh, we do that all the time on the road, right? Somebody cuts you off. Honk, honk, what are you doing? You throw your hand up, you know, you get around them and you want to just see, you, you want to get, you want to pass them because you want to see what an idiot looks like. It's just, you, that's what one looks like today, you know. That's what, yep, yep. And then, God never lets me get by with this because all, I've done that before. Only to go and make the same exact mistake that guy just did, like, like just a little bit up the road. I cut somebody off and somebody else, honk, honk, man, what are you doing? And they're throwing their hands up and I'm like, hey, sorry, sorry, hey, show me grace. I, I blew it, sorry, sorry. And then the guy doesn't show you grace like you think he should show you grace. And he's sitting there and he's showing you the we're number one symbol, but it's not that symbol. And he's yelling at you. And then you kind of get angry in your heart going, hey, I said I was sorry. You know, and, and all of a sudden you kind of cop this attitude. Come on, man. I said I was sorry. What, what's your problem, man? And you now have this problem. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Here's the thing. I don't do it anymore. That, that was me at 19. Okay. I <laughs> know. Here's the thing. We want someone to show us grace, but we don't want to show them grace because our sin looks horrible on someone else. But on us, hey, come on, give me some grace. Give me some grace. So Paul is sitting here saying, hey, if someone is overtaken in a surprise overlanche, avalanche in a sin or, or a problem in their life, something radical has happened in their life and they're overtaken in that, you who are spiritual, reset that fracture, bring them back in in a spirit of gentleness. But listen, I want you to consider yourself also, lest you also be tempted. Because in as much as they have fallen into this, you yourself are susceptible to fall into this. So don't judge them. Don't beat them down. That's not what it's about. It's about showing them gentleness and restoring them. The idea here is a heart of unity. It's a heart of family. It's a heart of Christ. It's a heart of restoration. Jesus is not there simply to punish you and to beat you down. That's not what he is all about. When, when, when you sin, what do you do? If we, John tells us, right? If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Isn't that what John says? And so here's the thing. He says, listen, if we run to Jesus and we ask him to forgive us, guess what he's going to do? He's going to say, of course I'm going to forgive you. I love you. I gave my life for you. I gave my blood for you. I gave my body for you. I died. I rose again for you. I did that for you so that you and I can have unity. You and I can have communion. You and I can have relationship. Yes, I saw that you blew it. But yes, I forgive you. That's Jesus. 
And so when we do what Paul is saying, when we act like Jesus, guess what happens? Restoration. Unity. Relationship. He says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Some people misread this. It's a lot like uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And you talk to husbands and wives. Ephesians chapter 5, chapter, or chapter 5 verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Verse 25. Husbands, love your life. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Here's what oftentimes happens. A lot of husbands have a verse memorized and it's usually not their verse. <laughs> it's usually verse 22. They know that verse. Bible says you're supposed to submit to me, wife. I mean, doesn't that what it says, Pastor Don? Right? Honey, that's what the Bible says. Right, Pastor Don? <laughs> uh, I love Pastor Romaine. He's long since passed away. He was Pastor Chuck's, one of his assistant pastors, like his right-hand guy for many, many years. I loved what he used to say to us guys. He says, listen, read chapter, what we're going to do. Guys, I want us all to say out loud the very first word of chapter 5, verse 22 of Ephesians. Let's do it. All count of three. One, two, three. Wives, we'd all say. He goes, now, let me ask you, are any of you a wife in here? Just raise your hand. Number one, we want to mock you if you say you're a wife. You're not a wife. So if you are not a wife in here, man, male, then you don't read verse 22, 23, and 24 because that's not for you. You just forget that's in the Bible, okay? Because that's not talking to you. That's talking to your wife. Don't ever remind her that that's there. Trust me, guys. Don't ever remind her that that verse is there. That's not a good place to be. You want to start an instantaneous argument? Tell your wife, hey, can you go and read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 through 24? Tell me what the Lord speaks to you on. <laughs> doesn't work. Promise. I did that one time. Didn't see my wife for a couple of weeks. After about two weeks, I was able to see just a little bit out of this right eye. Just joking. Just joking. It was an old comedian joke. It's an old comedian joke. Stop it. My wife would never punch me. Here's the thing. That's not for you. That's not for you guys. And, and, and so as we look at this, and we look at verse 2 here, it's bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. This is not for you to use and say, well, you have been called to bear my burden. That's not what Paul's saying. He's not saying, he's not using this in a selfish manner. He's saying, here's what I'm asking you to do as a Christian. I want you to bear others people's burdens. Don't you be the other person that comes in and says, well, the Bible says you're supposed to bear my burden. No, that's not what Paul is saying. There is not a selfish act in what he's saying here. He's saying, what I want you to do is I want you, out of the goodness of your heart because of what Christ has done for you, I want you in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, also, I want you to go and I want you to minister to that person who has an undue burden upon their shoulders. And in so doing, you're actually 
fulfilling the law of Christ. You're actually living for Christ. You're actually doing what Christ would, what Christ would do. As you come alongside and you minister to this person, you come alongside and minister. Don't demand people to bear your burden. Paul talks about you here just in a couple of verses. He says, you go and help other people because that's what Christ would do. If anyone thinks him to be something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. Don't think more highly of yourself. But let each one examine this honest assessment. We've already talked, verse 4. Examine his own work, and then he'll have rejoicing in himself. You'll understand that sweet spot in Christ. And and it's not going to be through anybody else. It's going to be through your walk with the Lord, because you are living as the instrument that God has called you to be. And when you are living in the instrument in which God's called you to be, it's perfect. You're in unison. Man, you're in the sweet spot. Then he says, verse 5, for each shall bear his own load. Each shall bear his own load. What this says is that I'm responsible for my life. I'm responsible for my burdens. I'm responsible for the things that I get myself into. I don't demand other people to come alongside of me and be a Christian. A bunch of Christians over there, they don't help me. No, no, you got a wrong, you got a wrong view. What about you? Are you bearing your own burden? You see, this speaks to every single one of us having to honestly come before the Lord and giving an answer for your own life. And if truth be told, the things that I oftentimes accuse others of not doing for me are, are the things that I wouldn't have actually had to have them do or be mad at them because they're not doing it if I would have just been responsible and done the right thing in the first place. That makes sense? I'm so out of time. I'm going to finish here. Here's the thing, guys. God has created you to be you. God has created you to be an instrument in his symphony. And when you are in concert with him, and in concert with the rest of his orchestra. It's awesome. It sounds great. Things are good. When things happen, don't point the finger at the Lord. Know that God God might have a different plan for your life than what you think you need in your life at this moment. I don't have this or I don't have that. That person has that. That person has that. Do you see a problem with that? When you say that person has that, that person is that, that person has this blessing, that person has that. I don't have anything. Wait a minute. Again, everything about those statements is selfish. And I don't mean to be, I don't want to be mean about that. But but Jesus Jesus said to Peter, Peter, there's coming a time where in your life you're going to be taken where you don't want to go. And Peter goes, okay, well, what about that guy over there, John? Huh? Come on. How fair is that, Jesus? Look at him. What what about him? Is he going to have to go through what I'm going to have to go through? Jesus says, Pete, what is it to you if I I want him to, to be alive when I come back? I'm not asking you to live John's life. I'm asking you to live your life. You live your life. 
You follow me, Pete. Don't follow me through John. My relationship is with you. You and me, let's walk together. All If we work, walk together, I promise I'll see you through this life. Are you assured of that in your own personal life? Are you assured that Jesus will take you by the hand and lead you through this life? If you just let him. If you're willing to be his instrument, he's never going to drop the ball. And when you think he's dropped the ball, he hasn't. That's the secret. The secret is, is that when things start going awry in your life and you don't see the end, you don't see how it possibly can end up for good. The one comfort that we have as Christians is that we know that the one that is holding our right hand, he does. He knows how it ends. And too often does it end so much better than I ever envisioned it to be. We just got to trust and obey for there's no other way. Amen? Love him, man. Don't blame him. Know that he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for my life. Let's walk out of here as the orchestra of Jesus today. Amen? Father, thank you so much for today. Help us, Lord, to be just those men and women. When trials come into our life, Lord, help us to look to you for answers and guidance and wisdom and discernment. Help us to see your light in the midst of darkness. Help us to see your peace in the time of panic. Help us, Lord, to see your triumph in a time of trial. Lord, we love you. Lord, we confess our humanity. It is who we are. But, but Lord, too often times we, we fall back on our flesh. Only to regret it later on down the road. May we look to you and know that you have a plan and you have a purpose and you have the perfect plan and purpose for our life. And though we may not see it, Lord, help us not to panic. We think about David writing the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I think of that and I think of a shepherd laying his staff, the rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And I think of a sheep that out of the eyesight, he can't see the shepherd. A sheep being so silly, just not turning around to look at the shepherd. And so he stays fixed in a place where he can't see the shepherd. He begins to shake. And as the sheep begins to have anxiety issues and panics, begins to shake and to shudder. Lord, you have that shepherd just reach his staff out and just lay it upon the, the back of that sheep. And without even looking at, at the shepherd, the sheep calms down perfectly peace because I know that the shepherd has just laid his staff upon my back and he's there within arm's reach I'm safe Lord may we when our eyes seem to be on our problems and not on anything else and we 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 begin to shake in fear we begin to panic will you lay your rod upon our back 
Will you reveal that you're there? And may we calm down and understand that no matter what happens, we're in your reach. Your word says, if anyone touches us, they're touching the apple of your eye. If anyone wants to snatch us out of your hand, you will in no wise allow it to happen. We're sure in your hands. Thank you, Lord, that we have the most sure thing upon the face of this earth in this universe. We have you. And you're not going anywhere. And you have a plan. Whether or not we understand the plan, we know you do. And so, Lord, let us just rest in you. May we find peace in Jesus' name. Amen.